0: the sacrifice you made, that we could be your children, Lord. And today we open up our arms to you, we open up our hearts to you, Lord, God. we want your spirit to lead us where you want us to go, Lord, God. we give this service to you, Lord, God, and we ask that you move in it in Jesus' name, amen. This doesn't work well. There we go. Well, good morning, all you good-looking people. I cannot believe there are that many of you out there on, uh, like, the national grilling holiday of the year. (laughs) I am excited to be here with you this morning, and I just want to first just... if Everybody can just close your eyes for a minute. I feel like God wants to press into us this morning. My heart and soul, every time I stand on this stage is that we would take a step closer to what God has for us. But his word says this, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. It's his kindness that takes us from where we're at and not in his perfect will, not in where he wants us, and turns us towards what he wants us to do. So this morning, I want to just encourage you right now to make a commitment with God that it doesn't matter if I don't like the message it doesn't matter if I am opposed to what it says if it's scripture and if it's God moving in your heart to cling a hold to that and you might leave going oh man that's just is stern within me I don't really like it but push into that lean into that and see what God would have you to do in your life in the area of repentance and turning closer to him So can we commit to that today as a church? Father, I just ask that you would stir in us. Stir in the depth of our spirit and turn us towards your perfect path for us. It is your kindness that leads us to repentance. Lord, we just want to lean into that this morning, Lord God. We don't want to turn our ears off because we don't like what we're hearing, Lord, but we want to lean into what you have for us this morning. Open our ears, open our eyes in Jesus' name, amen. Well, the title of my message this morning is More Than Family. More Than Family. As a church, we often hear, you know, good morning church family, how you doing? And we're so close and we're close-knit. But I want to talk about what's deeper and what lasts longer than family. But I would be remiss as I start to think and, and meditate on this, like, in family in general. It takes me back to a place of where did I come from? Like, what is my legacy? When I think about family and the depth of family, I think about legacy. And what is my legacy? So that brought me down this path as um, I was preparing. I actually ended up at my great grandfather's gravesite. So that's the next slide. This is my great grandfather, 1873. And I, I don't know if that's his first or second wife, but a little older than him. Uh, And um, I'm standing at my great-grandfather's gravesite on my grandmother's 100th birthday when I took this picture. I didn't know this was emotional at all. Uh, And realized that everything I have today was built on the shoulders of the people behind me. My legacy and the legacy that I'm building for my children started on those that went before me. And we as a church have a legacy and and an inheritance that God wants to give us. And it goes far more than just being family. There's a depth to what he wants to do in us. Ah, There's a depth in what he wants to do in us that goes far beyond what we can understand. But it takes engaging with God to step into your inheritance. This term, as I was preparing my message, that coming to my mind, is I am the youngest son of the youngest son of the youngest son in the, field, in the Wheeler family line. Right? What does that mean to be the youngest son of the youngest son of the youngest son? Okay? And If you're wondering, that, that saying does not come from me. Benjamin Franklin said it. He is the youngest son to the fifth time removed okay, that statement says this, there's no inheritance for you. <laughs> that's what it says, okay, you, you now get nothing. <laughs> Traditionally, the oldest son, who's charged with taking care of the family, who, who has to continue to build the inheritance and the legacy, that's his charge, he gets two-thirds, whatever's left is split between everybody else, all right? So if you come from a big family, you get nothing. You know? Here, here's a lollipop and a picture of mom and dad on your way, okay? So thinking about this like legacy that God has for us and this earthly legacy God is just starting to stir in my soul. What does that mean, God? And I realized as I started to think about this and look at my heritage and where I came from, see, my great-grandfather that we saw earlier, he was actually the oldest son. Right? So he had all the inheritance. And even with all his inheritance, he was the Poorest family in Milford. They were not rich. My grandfather hated Christmas. My grandfather hated Christmas because they might get a sock or a mitten. Um, a like that's how poor they were. But my grandfather, as the youngest son of the oldest son, stepped up and took care of my great grandfather. And the inheritance, this rule of inheritance, was trumped by the responsibility he took on himself, and he inherited everything. My parents stepped up to the plate as the youngest son and took care of my grandparents, which was a great honor to watch the sacrifice they put into making sure my grandparents had a quality of life. And they trumped this rule of inheritance, and they got the family farm. 125-ish years this farm has now been in our family. See, there's some rules that help us trump the natural rule. And that's what I want to get to today. Is what does the word of God say about us and who we are and what is our inheritance and what is our legacy to leave? Romans eight sixteen and 17 says this. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we might also be glorified with him. See, if you've made the commitment to Jesus Christ, it's not just now that we're following Jesus, which we are, but we are heirs. Now, not heirs in the sense of the second son of the second son. We're co-heirs with Christ. This inheritance he's talking about is putting us on the same platform of inheritance. It's the kingdom of heaven was given to us as children of God. But as heirs, we have a responsibility to extend the kingdom. See, I don't want my legacy to stop when I die and maybe my kids have a little bit. I want my legacy to last for generation after generation after generation. To do that as an heir, I have to start building now what I want to see later. I have to start raising that up now. Right? I would like to make my company and my business successful so that my children can step into their own company, their own business, and always be their own employer. But I can't start that when they're ready to have a job. I have to start building that now. And that's the same thing with the kingdom of God and where you're at. If you want your legacy spiritually to keep going, then you have to start building it now. Who's the person you're training? Who's the person you're sitting under? What counsel are you getting? What are you studying for? You know, a large part in why I stand on this stage is because my grandmother prayed for me every night. She would, oh, I didn't, God's doing something. I didn't know this was emotional at all. I haven't cried once this week. We'd go to visit my grandparents and we'd stay in the big bed, right? It's a full bed, but as a little kid, it's massive. Now my king bed feels small. I'd go there and we'd get in bed and she'd read me Bible stories and she'd say, God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. I pray for you. You're going to do something in his kingdom. I stand here because of her prayers then. She prepared spiritually away. And I know she did that for all my brothers and sisters and and my dad. I know that this was a praying woman that was preparing her legacy which lives through me and my brothers and my sisters. We have that legacy in Christ. He did that for us. We have an inheritance. And he didn't just say, yeah, you're now my adopted brother and sister. He put us on an equal playing field. Your inheritance is the kingdom of God. But church, I want the most out of my inheritance. I want to do the most with what God's given me. And to do the most with what God's given me, I also have to adhere to some other biblical principles. And we're going to dig into that. But this principle I'm going to give you ahead of time. If you're a note taker, write this down. Just get this going in your mind. We are more than family. We are one body. We are more than family. We are one body. God has something to unfold for, here, uh, for us here, church. There's a depth to this that we need to understand to set the course for a spiritual legacy that brings the kingdom of God to earth, right? There's a reason that once we get saved, God just doesn't pull us into heaven, right? Why would we have to go through the rest of life, this turmoil, if we have a perfect place waiting for it? It's because it's our responsibility as heirs to bring the good word of God to the rest of the people that are on earth. That's our responsibility as heirs. It's to take care of and steward that which God has called us into. That's why we don't just disappear the minute we make a decision for Christ. And that would really freak people out. I mean, they're one minute, gone the next. So Corinthians... Corinthians 12, 11 through 14 says this. But one in the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. For even as the body is one, yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body. So also is Christ for by one spirit we are all baptized into one body whether Jew or Greek whether slave or free and we are we were all made to drink of one spirit for the body is not one member but many see we were called into the body of Christ but we all have a very specific role to play right some of us some of us are feet some of us are mouths i've been told I'm certain things i won't you know, get into, but we're all something. We have a part, a specific part to play. Unfortunately, in the church in America today, a lot of times we look at whoever's behind the pulpit or in the church office and go, they are all of them. And we neglect our duty as heirs. And when you do that, you lose your inheritance, right? Right? God's not going to take his salvation from you, but you're not going to extend who you are into the next generation. You're not going to leave a legacy. You're not going to extend that kingdom past yourself. You have a responsibility to fulfill the role that God called you to fulfill as a member of the body. See, we're more than family. We are one body. And we're supposed to be one body to the point where in 1 Corinthians twelve twenty six and 27, it says this. If one member suffers, all members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all members rejoice with it. Now you are Christ's body and individual members of it. How often do you suffer with somebody that's suffering? How often do you rejoice with somebody that's rejoicing? I know that I probably don't do this as much as I should... However, I enjoy the connecting of the body. I love it. It's part of my DNA. Um, My wife and I are a little different. I'm like, yeah, people, come on over. Come on, come on. My house is open. It's fine. It's good. It's good. Come on in. And I love fellowshipping with Christians in my house and encouraging each other. And when you get together as a body, it's like connecting your organ to the heart and blood starts to pump and flow. But as Christians, we're called to bear one another's burdens. And if one member suffers, we all suffer. Why is that so important? Because God didn't create us for isolation. He created us to be connected to each other. He created us to engage with each other, to know each other. And let's face it, as Christians, a lot of times we can meet the minimum we're going to go to church. Or maybe we meet the sub-minimum. I love you online, but you're a sub-minimum. You're just watching online. You should be here, okay? You should be here with the body of Christ, fellowshipping with the body of Christ because you've unplugged yourself from the body and now you're kind of on life support. (laughs) They're never going to invite me back, okay? Okay. It's important that we plug into the body. And this is a, a large church. So I want to I wanna do something here for a minute. If you'll bear with me, I need everybody's help. And I need, I'm going to call people up on stage. So if you hate being up on stage, don't raise your hand. How many people are born in January? January babies? Maddie, can you come stand right here? Um, February babies? Ellie, right here? Cool, oh, careful. No, standing, we're not tripping. This illustration could go bad quickly. March? Uh, yes. Sorry. Bethany, I forgot your name for a second. Apologize. April. All right. Volunteering. All right, May. May babies. Greg. June. Right here. Front row. July. Right here. August. August babies. we has got to be a few. Chris. September, we're here, October, back there, November, Ernie, come on up, whoa, we got two November babies, wow, that's, that's fine, December, December babies, come on up, so if you will for a moment, this is the body of Christ, each month represents a different organ, of the body of Christ. Inside of this church, how many people did we have that were January, February, March, April? There was a lot of you, right? We're born all over the place. So is the body of Christ. There's a lot of heads. There's a lot of feet. There's a lot of mouths. Only a few spleens. I don't really know what a spleen does. Um, But there's only a few of them. You guys can sit down. This simulates a small group in our church. If you go, hey, I feel like I have a gifting and a calling and I want to be connected to the body and I want to use my gifting, but Sunday mornings just doesn't offer me the ability. That's because we have a lot of people here. I don't speak all the time. That's probably my primary gifting. I don't do it all the time because we have a lot of speakers here. But in small group, they wish I would shut up sometimes. (laughs) There are a lot of people here and a lot of giftings in the body represented And if you're not plugged into a small group, you're losing the best opportunity you have to find your gifting and fulfill your gifting. You're missing it completely. And that goes for people online, too. If you're not into a small group, if you can't come here, the least you could do is be in a small group. And you're missing it if you're not connected. You're completely missing it. As a child... Long before I ended ended up here at Shiloh, my parents' door was like a revolving door. The coffee pot was always on, and people would just come in. And I mean like all hours of the day, right? Just in and out, in and out, in and out. And they needed things. We ran businesses out of the house, and, and there was a need for that. But you know what I picked up on as a child is that more times than not, people would get what they needed and then end up at the kitchen table with a cup of coffee, and there, there was this community of people within Milford that would just show up at my parents' house when they needed to be heard, or understood, or needed wisdom, or sometimes just needed a friend. See, people will seek community. And oftentimes within the church, though, we kind of put up this little bit of a wall. We don't want to seek that community because they might say, Hey, um, we're glad you're part of our family, but... Um, you're kind of walking in some blatant sin and it needs to be dealt with. We don't want to open ourselves up to that. But when you're in a good and healthy family, it will challenge you to be the best that you can be. So sometimes when we know we're dealing with stuff, rather than engaging where it's healthy for us, we retreat to isolation. We disengage from small groups. We stop talking to a lot of people. right? Community doesn't, isn't just made up of small groups. You could have a community outside of shallow small groups. You could have a, a, a men's group, a woman's group, whatever it is. You, but you need biblical community. But sometimes we retreat from it. And when we retreat, there's no one to help bear our burdens. We're going to feel like we're drowning, we're overwhelmed, we're isolated. No one cares about us because you have shut yourself off from all of what God designed you to be. If you're not the heart, you literally removed yourself from the heart and now you have no fresh blood in your body. See, we were made to be more than this church family that comes together like a normal family would in a family reunion, right? You gather all the aunts and uncles and everything and come together, see how everybody's doing and just leave. Do you know the Bible's very, very clear that the outside world should look at us and go, I don't know what they have, but I'm jealous of it and I want it. That comes through community. The Acts church gathered together daily, right? Community. They were more than family. So if you're not in a small group, if you're not connected to a biblical community, you need to start rethinking how you're approaching church. See, church is not just a Sunday morning You can have salvation. God will accept you into his kingdom. If you repent and believe in Jesus Christ, you are a child of God. That's plain and simple and true. But that doesn't mean you're living a fulfilled life as an heir of the kingdom of heaven. There is more for you and more to do than just getting into heaven, right? Getting out of jail free cards. There's more to salvation than that. And I want it all. I want to leave a legacy. That when I die and pass away, my children follow God, and their children follow God, and their children follow God. I don't know any other way to do that than by putting myself inside of a community that will challenge me and say, you're not being a good father, you're not being a good husband, you're not being a good leader. That's what community and family is for. Right? If you're sick, your body sends white blood cells to fight off sickness. That's what we're supposed to do. But we often shy away from it. We run from it. As a matter of fact, you don't like being told we're wrong or an idea is unbiblical or maybe you're, you're stressed out about things and there's no one to support you in that. You need to make a job decision and no one's there to talk to you. And all of a sudden, we start blaming God for something. But we were the ones that removed ourselves from community where all those things happen. I just preached, I think, my last six slides and didn't even look at them. Just kidding. Um, Romans 12 1 through 10 says this, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what is the will of God, is, which is good and acceptable and perfect. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, to not think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think as to have sound judgment as God has anointed to each one a measure of faith. Let me pause there. That's Romans 12, 3. It happens to be one of my favorite verses. Maybe because I'm just a little too conceited. But to have sound judgment about who you are is a mature thing. I think too often... This is where we kind of go astray as a church. Either we say, I'm not them, I can't accomplish that, or I'm better than them, I can accomplish more than that. We begin to say, everybody should be a heart, everybody should be a head, everybody should be a foot, because that's what we relate to, that's what we are. But we have to have sound judgment. There are a lot of ways I like to do things in my family and in business and in the church that I need other perspectives because just my way would fail. And we we kind of don't like that. We like seeing things done our way, right? We like we like quiet first thing in the morning. I like it that we have a I have a very traditional marriage and that doesn't work for some people. They have They have more, everybody's going to work, and my wife happens to stay home with the kids, and and my kids get to see her more, and they see me less, and that's okay. But I want everybody to do it my way, right? Because I think I've figured it out. i spent a lot of time thinking about this, and I know. That's kind of the mindset we can get in. Or we get in the defeatist mindset of every other way besides the way that I'm doing is better. But this verse is to say, have sober judgment, about yourself, about the role that you're in. Uh, As God has anointed to each a measure of faith, for just as we have many members in one body, all the members do not have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ and individual members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the portion of his faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, giving preference to one another in honor. See, if we only go to church on a Sunday morning and don't connect ourselves with the body of Christ and really begin to develop intimate friendships, a depth of relationship that goes beyond family, right? You can think of your family members. Can anybody think outside of their family, do they have friends that they would say, these are intimate friends. I would share this, my life, just like I would share my life with my family. That's what we need in the body of Christ. We need to prefer one another. See, Greg's giftings and my giftings are very different, but we've gone through a lot of ministry together. And when I am at retreats with Greg and preaching with Greg, there is an intimacy that goes between us. And you know, at Shiloh, we don't see it very often, but when somebody has a word and they'll go up to an elder and ask, hey, is this word from God and can I share this word? Greg and I at retreats would work in a way where we could be across the room preaching and just look at each other and know there's something that God wants to share with the group and just pause and defer to one another's giftings. That's what the Bible is talking about. You don't experience that, though, without time with each other, serving with each other. That's what small group gives you, intimate members of your family, intimate members of one body created for one purpose. And we're all different. We have something to bring. You have something to bring. And the measure of what you have to bring is not a measure of your worth. The foot isn't worth less than the head. Fingers aren't worth less than toes. Again, I don't know what the spleen does, but it's not worth less. Your value in what you accomplish does not indicate your value in the kingdom of God. You have something to do that I can't do. More than that, I need you to accomplish your work so that I can accomplish mine. We need the people in the church that love going out and inviting people in to see God, to know God, to hear God. I don't do that. I don't like that. I don't like talking to random strangers. I like all of you. I don't like random strangers. I don't want to stand on a soapbox on the street, but I have uh, friends that are street evangelists, and they will walk up to anybody and talk to anybody and walk them through salvation and get them connected with a church and help develop them into disciples. That's not me. But if I just stand inside of these walls all the time and preach, and no one does that role, these walls are going to get smaller and smaller and smaller. See, there's a role for everybody in the church, and you are just as valuable as pastors, elders. You have something to do. And we need to do it. We need to cling on to our right as heirs. And our responsibility as heirs. To extend the kingdom of God. Ephesians 4, 1-4 through 4 says this. Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness with patience showing tolerance for one another in love being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace there is one body and one spirit just also you were called with one hope of your calling this is paul saying to walk in a manner worthy of your calling while he's in prison what got him in prison walking in a manner worthy of his calling See, sometimes doing what God's called you to do is not fun or comfortable. Will it end in imprisonment, hanging on the cross, whatever? Sometimes, sometimes it will. Walking out my life in integrity has led to a lot of insults on a public platform. Following your calling and joining together as a body are two linked items. Because I couldn't do what I do in some public forums if I wasn't within a family of believers that supports being involved in um, politics. I couldn't do it. See, everybody has a different calling, and walking those out can be painful. It can hurt. It can hurt if, you have, if you're if you rejected, if you're out there on the streets trying to share Jesus with somebody and you're rejected, or you're trying to help somebody and you want to you know, do, do an act of service for them and they say no, right? Rejection hurts. It hurts when people attack you. And that's why you need this core that you can come to and say, hey, I was, trying to, I was trying to walk out my life righteously, and this is what happened. And they can support you in that rejection. Or they can say, hey, that was dumb. Don't do that. Uh, that's why you got hurt. Let's, let's not do that again, right? You don't want to ride a bike and tip over on your head. That hurts. But you can't do that unless you mix these two things. You have a responsibility to walk out your calling, even if it leads you to prison like Paul But being in a community eases that suffering. How many churches did Paul write to while he's in prison? Right? He fulfilled his calling. He walked in a manner worthy of his calling. It led to prison. And he continued to walk out his calling even from prison. Do we shy back when the challenges come? When we know, hey, if I step into this calling, I could experience rejection and hurt. Or I can just take a step back and I'll pray for that. I'll I'll pray that people find God. But I'm not going to step up to say anything because I could get hurt. See, Paul fulfilled his calling. And we're supposed to fulfill our calling. And we're supposed to be more than one body, one family, united together. See, the whole church has one calling and it's found in Matthew and it says, therefore, go make disciples of all men. That's our calling as a church, as Christians, is to go out and disciple the world. Not each other, but to go share the gospel. That's our calling. That's our legacy. We're supposed to walk in it. And to do that, you need to play your part. My grandmother didn't speak out much. But she wrote these note cards to everybody I know. I mean, she had this little cool desk, right? The old secretarial desk. You flip it down. It has all these hidden compartments. It's uh, it's amazing. It was my favorite childhood thing to play with. Um, But she would write notes. That desk was full of stickers and paper and different color pens. And she would sit in her living room and write notes to people, notes of encouragement, and mail them and just... I, I have tons of them stuck in the side of my desk today. She didn't say much. She loved people. She didn't say much. She didn't, she didn't get outside the walls much. But that was her calling. She touched so many lives from behind a pen. So it doesn't matter if your calling is great or small. If you're, if you're a big member of the body, if you're a small member of the body, your membership of the body is important and significant. And we need to embrace it and walk in it. get quiet. write more jokes into my sermon next time. Maybe stand-up comedy, Greg. (laughs) Sorry, that was an inside joke. Okay. Well, let's pray. Church, Father, I thank you that I am part of the body of Christ, that I have brothers and sisters in Christ that support me, that love me, that encourage me to do better and challenge me when I'm off your path. But I ask that you would prompt that in everyone's heart, Lord God that they would find a community that they could be part of, that they could be a member of it, that they could explore deep, meaningful, lasting relationships that would challenge them to fulfill their legacy and their responsibility as heirs of Christ. Lord, as we go throughout this weekend, Lord, we just ask that you would be with us. Let us enjoy some time of rest, that we could be renewed to go about your work again. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, go start your grills and enjoy your long weekend. I love you all.